episode number 127 of the Handcraft Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to High Impact Leaders. I am your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. On this episode, I'm going to cover how you can make you and your company very, very unique in the marketplace. We're going to go through a very simple process that when you kind of go through this, or after you complete it anyway, you should have customers flocking to you. The process starts with identifying what your unique selling point or you, your unique selling proposition is. Then we're going to help you build your entire marketing campaign around this one major point. By the way, the episode is brought to you by the leadersinstitute.com for details about leadership development and how to create a team culture. Visit www leadersinstitute.com. And if you have questions or comments for me, you can tweet me at Doug Stannert or contact me via my website at leadersinstitute.com. So today we're going to talk about how to create a unique selling proposition, what a lot of companies will sometimes call a USP for short, but it's basically a unique selling point. It's what sets you apart from your, your competition. Um, and, and by the way, when you do this, if you want customers to really flock to you, this is kind of the starting point uh, that you want to give them something or promote something that you do that your customers can't get anywhere else in the world. <laughs> you you want to have one single unique selling point that sets you apart from your direct competitors, then design your marketing messages around that outline of this specific benefit to your ideal customer. So when you do this, you're going to create a significant competitive advantage in the marketplace. In fact, if you do this really, really well, your customer base will actively promote you to new customers, which is really, really cool. So if you want to be successful in business, create a fantastic USP and the as the starting point. Uh, by the way, an effective USP will help you develop a more marketing effective marketing strategy as well. Um, it's going to help your team close more deals. It's going to help you increase revenue. You'll also improve your market share without, without incurring a lot of additional costs. So this simple first step is by far the best way to create a competitive advantage in, in against your other competitors in, in the industry. Um, so let's kind of talk about a couple of really important aspects of creating one of these unique selling propositions or a USP. So um, so we're going to cover in the session, we're going to cover what one is. I'm going to give you a few examples of companies that have done this really, really well. And then at the end, I'm going to show you how to write one of these things so that you can get the benefits yourself. So what exactly is a unique selling proposition and why the heck is it important? So your unique selling point is the thing that you offer your customers where your customers can't get that thing anywhere else. For instance, all clothing stores sell clothing. <laughs> all dentists clean and fix teeth. All consultants solve problems for their customers. 
So if your marketing materials are full of phrases like name brand fashions and best dentist in the area or solutions to the toughest business problems, guess what? You're saying the exact same thing that every every other one of your competitors is actually saying. So your prospective customers, they're not going to believe you any more than any of those other slubs that they're that you're competing against. So what makes you stand out from the crowd? What makes you different? What makes you unique? How do you stand out from the other people that do what you do? The answer to these questions will become your unique selling point. So for example, Kohl's realized that people could go to any department store in the world or shop online and get very similar products to what they offer. So they created a unique return policy. (laughs) And by the way, I'm going to cover this in a little bit more detail because what they did was really, really cool. Um, There's a local dentist here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we're based, and it's called Mint Dentistry. And they don't just fix teeth they make sexy teeth, <laughs> you know. So it's their billboards all over the DFW Metroplex with models that prove that you can have super super white teeth if you go to Mint Dentistry. So it's their unique selling point. It's the thing that's different from other dentists. Um, for my own company, since we're consultants, and and yes, we do solve difficult difficult problems for our clients, but. That really isn't what our USP is. Um, We're most known for making boring meetings fun. Most meetings are pretty boring. So our professional speakers fix that. It's what sets us us apart. It makes us different from the other consultants that kind of do what we do. Um, So let me give you a few examples of companies that have done a really, really good job over the years of creating something unique in the in the marketplace. And these are some of some unique selling propositions that have made these companies millions, in some cases, billions of dollars. Uh, each of these companies came up with a unique way to create brand awareness by doing a lot of times the opposite of what their competitors were doing. So let's take a closer look at some of these and and see how these companies became very successful by kind of bucking the norm. Uh, the first one, I'm going to give you three in the first set of examples because um, you, you'll see this happen a lot in a commodity, like, for instance, the pizza industry. So the, we're going to talk about some of the, the uh, unique things that pizza companies have done over the years that make what they're doing different from their competitors. The first one on the list is Domino's Pizza. You know, Domino's Pizza was the top chain in the world in especially in the 1980s, 1990s, that kind of thing. Now, was it because they had the absolute very best product, the best pizza? That's where you go to get the best pizza. Nope. <laughs> was it because they had the highest quality pizza? Nope, wrong again, right? Their marketing efforts were all focused on a single unique value proposition. That basically what they would say is that your pizza will be at your door in 30 minutes or less, or it's free. <laughs> so Domino's Pizza, it tasted terrible. It was, a, it was horrible. It was not a great pizza. No one ever bought a Domino's Pizza because it was better than other pizza chains. 
they bought it because when we ordered pizza from, you know, back then, probably Pizza Hut or Shakey's Pizza or dozens of other kind of local pizza joints in your in your neighborhood, you better get a pitcher of beer there, too, because you're going to be there a long, 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 long time. Somehow Domino's figured out a way to solve that problem because apparently it doesn't take as long to make crappy pizza. Um, but then again, I, I digress. So a decade later, though, one of their competitors moved into the number three spot in total sales with a different kind of unique selling prop, a unique selling proposition and a unique USP. That was Little Caesars. And their marketing campaign was centered around the phrase pizza, pizza, right? So when you ordered one hot, fresh pizza, they brought you two, <laughs> by the way, which the, this came out, by the way, when I was in, in college. And it actually got me through college a lot of times because you can order one pizza and that would feed feed you if you were if you were um, um, judicial with it anyway, it might feed you for four or five days in, in a week. Um, most recently, though, one of the fastest growing pizza companies right now has a uh, t- has identified a different, more sophisticated target market. I mean, they're not looking for the impatient pizza buyer like Domino's was, nor are they looking for the the target audience of the poor college kid like Little Caesars was. Their their company USP is better ingredients, better quality, Papa John's. Right, so basically what. Papa John's did was they saw Domino's really falling in market share because nobody liked their pizza. So they decided to kind of fix that problem. You know, nothing better than, than a well-made pizza dipped in garlic butter, right? So basically each of these three companies created their unique selling point and then they built their brand identity around that great idea. Another really good, unique selling proposition is at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. That's where the Dallas Cowboys play. About once a year, I like to catch a football game. I'm a big football fan, and so I'll go over to the the stadium, whether it's for to watch the Cowboys play, if they're doing well, or uh, a lot of times they do a lot of college games there as well. And every time I walk into this place, I'm in awe of the size and the scope scope of this stadium. The stadium seats about 100,000 people. And years ago, my son Ben and I, we went to a Cowboy game and we had some pretty good seats and we could see every single part of the field without any problem whatsoever. However, every once in a while, since we we had you know decent seats and we were kind of up close to the, the sideline, um, if, if a play was on the other side of the field, it became a little bit more difficult to, to see. And when that would occur, we'd kind of look up at this big, huge screen. They have this massive screen in the middle of this stadium. And I, I got to say, it, it's it's in fact, it's really difficult to not look out this screen, screen because um, the, the screen itself is pretty mesmerized. There's so much detail in, in that big, huge screen. Well, at halftime, Ben thought it might be fun to kind of go up into the the um, the top deck. You know, it's like six stories up, I think, or whatever, or six levels anyway, not stories, because it's way more than six stories. So uh, we went on a little walkabout at halftime. Uh, on the way, we went to the end zones where all of the, la- that's where the lounge areas are. And while we were there, you could still see all of the details that were going on on the field. And then we went to the third deck and you could still see very, very well. And eventually we make it all the way up to the, the top deck, the sixth deck. 
And after getting a little woozy from, from the altitude and, you know, we were looking right down on the field, could still see everything. And right above the field was that huge, huge, huge screen that even added even more clarity to what we were seeing on the field. Um, that's when it hit me that Jerry Jones, the owner of the, the Cowboys, he focused on all of the details when he was creating the stadium. There's not a bad seat in the place. 100,000 seats, 100,000 places where you could be, actually more because you've got the standing room only areas as well. And and um, when, when folks kind of leave the stadium, he's got them talking about that big, huge screen. That's the, the screen is Jerry Jones's unique selling proposition for the stadium. It's the one thing that his, his customers, the ticket holders, they can't get anywhere else in the world, it, which is it, it makes it really, really, really unique. Now, you don't have to spend a billion dollars to create a unique selling proposition. Just wanted to throw that in there because it's a little unique, a little different from some of the other USPs that we're talking about. Another really good example of a unique selling proposition is homevestors because they want to buy ugly houses. <laughs> what they realized was that real estate agents fought for the absolute best listings in an area, the best houses, the most expensive, the most beautiful houses, because every real realtor wants to promote the house that's perfect and is going to sell really, really quickly and really, really easy, easily. So few of these realtors, though, wanted to try to sell the ugly houses, though. <laughs> so when sellers had properties that had a few problems, agents, you know, they may reluctantly kind of list the house, but they're not going to spend their real quality time representing those sellers. And then in addition, on the other side of the of, of the, the spectrum there, the, there were house flippers. These were people who wanted to buy ugly houses, but they were having trouble finding these properties because the process was very time consuming because the realtors weren't, weren't uh, promoting the, the ugly houses. So Homefesters kind of came up with a strong, unique selling proposition that solved both of those problems. They, they put up billboards all over the city saying, we buy ugly houses, and it worked like a charm. According to their website, by the way, they have sold over 125,000 homes since they created the, this system. As a result, um, so those are that's 125,000 homes that real estate agents didn't want to sell. And by my calculations, just assuming that these houses probably sold for 100 to 200 grand, somewhere around there, um, and it may be more, maybe less, but that's about 1.75 billion dollars in commissions that real estate agents lost as a result of not tapping into this unique selling proposition. Eh, too bad, right? So another really good unique selling proposition is with Kohl's. I mentioned this in the introduction, but I wanted to save this one for last as far as the examples go because this is they they actually did it twice with two different areas they created two different unique selling propositions which is very unique that's the, no pun intended by the way um and the first one though is that if you don't have a receipt hey no problem so basically Kohl's allows customers to return items for up to 180 days after they purchase it with or without a receipt if you've lost your receipt no problem if the customer doesn't have a receipt, by the way, they'll give store credit for the current 
purchase price of whatever item is that that's being returned. So hopefully it's not on clearance. Um, also, if you happen to buy the item on a Kohl's charge card or a lot of times any other credit card, they can actually find the purchase without a receipt and then give you cash or or give you credit back to that to that charge card. Um, so do customers abuse this policy? Yeah, probably, you know, doesn't really matter much in the long run. Yeah, probably not, um, because Kohl's became so famous for their return policy that now you can buy something on Amazon and use Kohl's to return the product. Anything that you buy on Amazon, you can take to any Kohl's and Kohl's will take it from you and then refund the money, which is really, really amazing. And in fact, they did so well with that USP that the marketing department, this is these folks at, at uh, Kohl's are really, really good. They came up with a second really compelling USP as well. It's called Kohl's Cash. So when you buy stuff at their store, they give you a unique kind of cash that you can't spend while you're there at the store. They're going to give it to you at the cash register as you're walking out, and but you have to spend it it's somewhere around a week later. I, actually, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't shop at Kohl's enough to kind of know what the details are on this, but you guys can correct me. But at some time later after you, when you come back, you can use this Kohl's cash. And then, of course, the cash expires within a short period of time after that. So you have to come back fairly quickly. So um, the, basically what Kohl's is doing is they're they're giving you something that you can't get anywhere. You can't spend your Kohl's cash anywhere else. So they're trying to make it to where they can get you back in the store. Um, that's also one of the reasons why they have such a lenient return policy as well. Because if you're unhappy with your purchase, and they let you return it, there's a good chance you'll probably go back and buy something else and buy more, especially if you still have that Kohl's cash from the first purchase, you can now go back and use it. And you're probably going to buy a whole lot more than what you did the first time. So cheers to Kohl's for being a, a unique selling point icon. So how do you write? How do you create one of these unique selling propositions? Well, great leaders understand this concept. They, they strive very, very hard to create their USP and their companies and in their industries. The good news is that you don't have to spend a billion dollars on a stadium to develop your USP. All you really have to do is find some way to master a specific part of your job or industry. For instance, if you're a retail store manager, perhaps your unique selling proposition is that you never, ever, ever have more than three people in any cashier line. How many people will go out of their way to go to your store versus your competitors? If you're a doctor, maybe your USP is that you never let anybody wait in the waiting room past their appointed appointment time. I mean, how many people will drive a little bit further because they don't want to have to sit in a boring waiting room reading three-year-old magazines? <laughs> so, so there's a three-step process that you want to go through in order to create one of these unique selling propositions for yourself or for your company. The first thing is you're going to find out what people absolutely hate about your industry. <laughs> so to identify your USP, become the go-to leader in your industry. Just ask yourself, what do people hate about my product? What do people hate about my industry? What do people hate about my position? And then figure out some way to solve that problem. For instance, Domino's figured out that pizzas take a long time to cook. Then Papa John's figured out that 
pizzas made too quickly don't taste very well, right? And Jerry Jones figured out that if you're going to cram 100,000 people into a huge stadium, somebody's going to have pretty crappy seats. And so he figured out a way to solve that problem. Uh, and, and as a result, he created uh, the buzz that's driving millions of people to his games. Homevestors figured out that real estate agents don't like to sell ugly houses. Kohl's figured out that ideal customers often have second thoughts about their purchases. So most of their competitors make returning items very, very difficult. They made it easy. So basically, the question is, what problem do your potential customers experience in, in when they deal with your company, with your industry, or with your product? Once you find that out, the rest of creating the USP, it becomes very, very easy. So step two, once you've identified what that problem is, the second thing you have to do is solve that problem for your customers every single time. At no time do your customers experience that problem at your store or at your company or when they're dealing with your sales reps or when they're dealing with you. So once you know what your competitors are doing that are annoying their customers, you go and you do the opposite. Get the pizza to your customers faster. Build the biggest TV screen in Texas. All right, that's just a joke, but um, because it's already been done, um, represent that niche, you know, the ugly market that everybody else is minimizing. Reduce the risk of making a, a bad buying decision by offering a hassle-free return. You don't just clean teeth. You make teeth sexy, right? You're doing something unique. You're solving that problem for your customers. So now step three is you want to publicize your unique selling proposition or your USP, or better yet, get your customers to do it for you. So many of the examples that I gave you earlier are companies that promoted their unique selling proposition using marketing efforts. For instance, Homevestors and Mint Dentistry use billboards, Domino's and Papa John's, they use TV advertising. That type of marketing, billboards, TV, that kind of stuff is very, very expensive and doesn't really work today. So, I mean, those were unique for the time period that they that they were in. It's not really going to work very well today. So if you look at the rest of these things, though, their USPs were spread by very happy customers. <laughs> so the example of AT&T Stadium, they sold standing room only tickets. They still do, by the way. In, in the early days, I think they were like 20 bucks. I think now they're 40 bucks. So this is where fans can get into the stadium. They can watch the game. They just don't get access to a seat. They, they can't sit down. So they can walk around. They can be a part of the, the game experience, but they're, they're, they don't have a seat to go to. And, if you, and the, I have no idea how many of these they sell for each game. Well, let's just say it's a thousand. It's probably more than that, but let's just say there's a thousand of these $40 tickets. Well, that's an extra $40,000 that they make in revenue off of each game. And they also have, you know, a, a, a thousand people who now go and tell all their friends at home and at work the next day, a Monday, how great this how great an experience it was where they got to see everything in the stadium they didn't even have a seat it's not that they don't even have a, there's no bad seat in the stadium there's no bad place to watch the game in the entire stadium and they get that same word of mouth advertising every single week coles though is really one of the best examples because i'm sure their return policy is posted somewhere in the store 
I'm, I mean, I've been to Kohl's a few times. I don't ever remember seeing it. It's probably right there. And, and it's probably something that, that they market and they publicize, but that's not how I know that this return policy is there. I know that they have this great return policy from word of mouth advertising from their very happy customers. <laughs> Think about how many times on blog posts and social medias, um, there are pe- social media posts, people are indirectly promoting Coles's USP, either positively or negatively. And not to mention all of the conversations between friends and family and that kind of thing, that type of marketing is priceless. So the key here is that if you just do what all of your competitors are doing, they will dislike you as much as they dislike them. So do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Be unique. Do these things and your customers will actually flock to you. All right. So thanks a lot for being a part of the High Impact Leaders podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.